Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Now, here's Mother Miriam. Welcome, beloved. It's so good to be with you. And actually, I need to confess that I am a ghost today. We've pre-recorded this program absolutely fresh for today, Friday, and for you. And we're continuing right from where we left off yesterday. But we recorded this program after yesterday's program um, because I'm traveling to the Women's Conference in Worcester, Massachusetts. And we've been talking about that all week. So I'm on a plane today and uh, I will be back and be live back with you on Monday, which means... Um, I'll be doing the program today, continuing and still answering your text and emails, but you won't be able to call in live today, but you will be able to call in live on Monday. Okay, so we're going to continue with this wonderful book, Society and Sanity, and I'm going to show it to you because a number of people are asking me what we've been reading through. It's, you don't hear this today because people, we've, we've, we have been, our society has been so corrupted all over the world. And uh, again, not only has the world crept into the church, but so has the smoke of Satan, as Pope Paul VI said earlier last century. And we don't even know right from wrong anymore. We we don't even really know virtue anymore. We don't have know how to decide what is best um, sometimes people really, really struggle with choices. Um, some of you call in sometimes, all right, how do I choose between this or that? And I tell you, for me, I need a little background because every situation is unique and different. But the choices, they're not always clear for us. But in most cases, if we were living in a pure Christianity, and a, a purer world that was less corrupt, we wouldn't have such a struggle making those choices because we would walk with God and know his will and understand, as most of us do, that the attacks of the enemy is not to bring uh, or trip us up with evil, which he knows we're not going to go for, but to tempt us with what is absolutely just and legitimate and good, but that will take us from God's will of what is best and holy. You see? And that's our temptation. As Christians, if we're faithful, the enemy knows that he doesn't need to waste time in attempting us to divorce and do all of that. But he knows that if we have a good, solid marriage, we're homeschooling our children, we're doing all that, what can he do to disrupt that, to destroy it without our knowing it's being destroyed? He can bring all kinds of focuses in. He can uh, give a father or mother all of a sudden a, a zeal for a certain vocation that is not their vocation to marriage and children and family life, even though it's just and it's good and it's helping in the churches. Many women, beloved, have babysitters for their children while they go to help out in the church. And the churches, to help them, uh, have child care. 
many that they could bring their children to church and they have child care. And the mothers work in ministry as pastoral ministry or all kinds of ministries. And that is not of God. Beloved, it is not of God. It's a, is it a good thing? How mother, how could you say it's not a good thing? It's not a good thing because it's Satan introducing what seems holy to destroy what is absolutely God's will and the holiest, the most perfect. The most perfect, mom, is that you be home with your children, not that you work at the church, not that you have ministry, but it doesn't matter that your children are in church and child care. God didn't give you your children to put them in child care. Not if you can help it. If you cannot help it, it's another matter. Maybe you're a single mom. Maybe you need the salary. You need to work. And thank God you can bring your children with you. All different circumstances. But the ideal, you're not doing a good thing by working for the church and bringing your children. The best thing is for you to be at home and raise your children for God, not turn them into anyone else's hands, even though it's church staff. Um, and they may be good, but God gave them to you. So we are drawn away by good, just, political, social, um, Christian, Catholic causes, and they're good. But God has given us a vocation, and the enemy is going to do everything he can to destroy that by taking us away, by causing us to find a balance, so to speak. God didn't give us a vocation of balance. You know, here I am with the Daughters of Mary, Mother of Israel's Hope. And um, there's no way for me to keep up. There's no, I have 2,000 emails I haven't answered. I have tons of phone calls I have not gotten back to. Newsletters to write that are, I always wish I could send them out sooner. We haven't even started on our Christmas newsletter. We have that very special gift for everybody. That's all said already. But I haven't written the newsletter out. It has to go to the printer, and then it has to get out to you. It's a priority. But I've got so many other things going on in the order, not outside of it. And I don't think of how to balance anything. I don't have to balance. All I need to know clearly is my priorities, and somehow I don't struggle with that. Even when certain things are late, even when certain things don't get done. If somebody's in trouble, that's a priority. I I know the priorities are clear to me. If we walk with God, we plan our day, and God may intervene, and nothing we plan may get done. That's God's business. Man plans his way, the Lord directs his steps. I don't struggle with juggling a thousand things. I have a thousand things. I don't juggle them. I do the best that I can because I'm at peace and I have one vocation and that's to be a spouse of God and to um, run this little religious order that it might get off the ground um, one day when a good bishop invites us. So, uh, and it's kind of, it's off the ground already, but we're kind of at a stalemate here in Tulsa until we find a new home. So am I struggling about that? Absolutely not. God, let God be God. Let him do what he wants. I remain at peace. Why? Because things don't bother me? Of course they do. Um, Because um, I don't meet deadlines? Yes, I meet deadlines. But I determine the deadlines. I don't let the deadlines determine me. I determine them. And um, 
I need to say no to 99% of speaking invitations. I have to say no because I'm not trying to balance being a religious and running a religious order with speaking. No, God has given me a vocation and that is not speaking. If it could include traveling and speaking, blessed be God. And I need to choose that very, very, very carefully. And so um, I think the Worcester uh, Women's Conference, I think I said no to them for three years in a row. I'm not quite sure. And God enabled me to come this year, and I'm, I'm happy for it. But, um, beloved, if you are a mother and a wife, or reverse order, a wife and a mother, and you have a husband at home, and you're raising your children, do not look for any career outside the home. That is your vocation and your career. If you need more money, if you and your husband decide that you need money beyond your um, husband's salary, well, look up cottage industries. Look up what you can do at home, billing services online, um, Maybe you can work for an office where you go in once a week, take all the work home, and work from home. There's a lot of people who do that. There's a lot of people who work from home. And they come into the office once a week, once a month, twice a week, whatever's needed. There's a way to work things out and be home with your family. If you want to do the right thing, the heroic thing, God will provide for you. He absolutely will. And some others will say, but I'm a lawyer. I've had a whole career. Do I throw that away now with my family? You don't throw anything away that God has given you because he will not fail to use all the gifts he's given you. But as far as practicing law, no, not while you're raising your children. So you put it aside. You put it aside till your children are grown or God will help you work for a law office because you have all the knowledge and skill and you can work for them as an administrator from home or whatever you can do. It may not be your full uh, lawyer capacity, but you could be of great service to a law company and still work from home. Maybe counseling people, maybe giving advice, maybe uh, being their secretary, whatever it is. You can do it. You can work it out. God will never waste the gifts he's given you. But if he's given you a marriage and family, he does not continue He does not intend for your family to be second. He does not intend your so-called career to be second. You've got to give yourself completely. Otherwise, you will not raise a Catholic family. You will not. By your example, uh, you will teach them that the family is not number one, that life means juggling lots of things and remaining selfish, what you want to do, what you feel you're made for. If that's the case, then you don't get married. But when you get married, your life is not your own anymore. Anymore. You are the helpmeet of the man God has brought you to be his wife, to be the mother of his children, and to, um, and to keep the home. So um, that's it. Are you a slave? No. You're the most glorious creature with the best vocation God has ever given a soul to raise eternal souls for the kingdom. There's nothing uh, better than that. There's nothing more honorable than that. Do you think Joseph, St. Joseph, had a more honorable vocation than the Blessed Mother? No. 
he was called to be her protector. And she, who was without sin and called to be the mother of God, submitted herself to Joseph. Why? Because Joseph was smarter or wiser or stronger or more saintly? He was not. But because God set him up as her head. And she knew that her complete obedience to God would be the degree to which she submitted to Joseph. And because she had no sin, there was no reluctance on her part at all. It was freedom. To know the truth is to set you free. So, um, I know you cannot call in with questions or arguments today because this is pre-recorded, but uh, you can certainly call in on Monday, beloved, with any questions you have, and you can certainly email and text, and I'll I'll answer them on Monday. Absolutely. And one of our uh, the reason we've been reading through this wonderful book, uh, Sanity, A Society and Sanity by Frank Sheed. Uh, just about the greatest apologist the church has had uh, last century. This book was written in 1953. Um, the reason we're reading through it is because nobody's sane anymore. We're not sane. We think we're intelligent. We think we have great common sense. But we don't know, his point is, how do we form a government for man, mankind? How do we form all these so-called social systems, school systems, everything for man, for men and women, for human beings? When we don't know what man is, we don't know what he is. And all these so-called social systems are based on what fallen minds either think man is or want to make him. They do not know what man, what a man is. They do not know, and they cannot answer it. And so Frank Shee's point, if you don't know what man is, if you don't know, you have a little four-legged cat, and you don't know what a cat is, and you don't know what to feed a cat, you'll probably murder the cat because you don't know what a cat is, and you don't know what he needs. And you're going to talk to him, and he's not going to answer you back, and you're going to be upset and shoot him. Because cats can't talk, but you don't know that if you don't know what a cat is. Well, this is ridiculous. And yet, we try to treat men, the human being, um, and put certain social systems into his life and demand them and educate him for certain ends that has nothing to do with man's end and why he was created. Nothing to do with that. And all the systems that are being proposed today really amount to socialism, and that is to socialize man as if he were an animal and totally destroy him, destroy his ability to have freedom, to function, to think, and simply to become an animal to be controlled by the so-called one world government. And it won't work because man is not an animal. He's made in the image of God, and until he is treated that way, until he understands himself and why he exists, so he can reject what is contrary to why God made him. First, he has to know that God exists and that God made him. And so he needs to reject at any cost whatever violates his nature and his reason for being. He must reject it. And the people, hopefully, who are helping him uh, treat him accordingly. But if they don't, he must reject it at any cost. 
And so that's why Frank Sheet wrote this book. He wrote Society and Sanity, and he wrote Theology and Sanity, which that book helped me into the church. I hadn't read Society and Sanity, but I see it now, so I'm reading it now uh, with you. But I did read Theology and Sanity, and it was fantastic. Go ahead. And he wrote another book um, called Communism and Man. And he wrote another book called One Holy Catholic and Apostolic to talk about the church and the Trinity and what and who God is. Everything that Frank Sheed has written, beloved, you need to read it. Everything. You don't need to read it, but I recommend it. It doesn't matter what it is. If it's Frank Sheed, get it. That's how I buy books. I go to used bookstores, used sales, Catholic section, and when I see anything by Frank Sheed, I buy it. If I haven't read it, I know it's going to be beneficial for my soul, and it's going to be very helpful in teaching others, especially the family. So now, I don't know how much time we have left um, before our break. Paco, could you tell me how much time we have left before the break? Let me see if if I can get a, a little note here on how much time we have left. And I'll see whether or not we have about less than 10 minutes. Okay. Um, let me just get a little bit more into this, this book with you. Um, uh, um, let's see. I'm going to start here. Um, Okay, hold on. Um, Because I can't just pick up in the middle of something. Um, Okay. Uh, He goes on to talk about the rights, R-I-G-H-T-S, R-I-G-H-T-S, the rights of man. And he's explained that the rights of man are given us by God. He's given us the rights because um, he created us. Government can't give us the rights. They can't do it. Uh, They could take away our right to vote. They could do it. But they cannot give us rights to live before God. They can do certain things and eliminate and violate the rights we have as free citizens. But God gives us rights. And so he says... um, And no animal, no chemical formula, nothing has the rights that we have. No other animal. Because animals are animals. If uh, an animal has the, is made in the image of God with the ability to reason, to think, to love, um, to know God, um, and with a will that is made in the image of God, that animal is a human being. And One, he goes on to say, give an example. He says, one remembers Shylock's speech in The Merchant of Venice. Now, many of you may not read or have seen that. I have not, actually, but this will be clear. And he gives the example, quote, I am a Jew, hath not, this is from The Merchant of Venice. This is not, I'm not talking about myself, because I am. I am a Jew, hath not a Jew eyes, Hath not a Jew hands, organs, dimensions, senses, affections, passions, fed with the same food, 
hurt with the same weapons, subject to the same diseases, healed by the same means, warmed and cooled by the same winter and summer as a Christian is? If you prick us, do we not bleed? If you tickle us, do we not laugh? If you poison us, do we not die? And of course, our thoughts go to Hitler because he sold a whole nation on the fact that Jews were not human beings, that they were animals and they needed to die. Frank Shee goes on and says, it is magnificent but surprising. One would have expected Shylock to argue that a Jew is a man, even as a Christian is. Instead, he argues that a Jew is an animal, even as a Christian. If he had been pleading the cause of an ape instead of his own cause, he would hardly have needed to alter a word. Hath not an ape eyes? And everything everything he described is the description of an animal, not a human being. I'll read it again. I'm a Jew. Hath not you eyes? Well, animals have eyes. Hath not a Jew hands? Organs, dimensions, senses, affections, passions, apes have all that. Fed with the same food, hurt with the same weapons, subject to the same diseases, yep. Healed by the same means, warmed and cooled by the same winter and summer as a Christian is, yep. If you prick us, we bleed. If you tickle us, we laugh. If you point us, we die. And then, Freed says, it is magnificent but surprising because one would have expected Shylock to argue that a Jew is a man, even as a Christian is. Instead, he argues that a Jew is an animal, even as a Christian. If he had been pleading the cause of an ape instead of his own cause, he would hardly have needed to alter a word. Hath not an ape eyes? What then is the force of the argument? That a Jew has the same human rights as a Christian? Obviously not, for nothing specifically human has been mentioned. And Shylock has far too powerful an intellect to make such an error in logic. So in comparing a Jew with a Christian, all he's done is compare the elements of an animal. Um, she says he draws, Shylock draws from the argument one thing only, quote, if you wrong us, shall we not revenge? End quote. That is all that could possibly be drawn from it. In man's likeness to the animals is no foundation for human rights. We are animals to serve our needs. No, excuse me, we use, pardon me, we use animals to serve our needs, put them to work for us, that's what Hitler did and others, arrange their mating and their procreating to suit our requirements, not theirs, take from them anything they have we want, kill them for food, or because they are diseased, or because there are too many of them, meaning by that more than we think suitable, society protects them against wanton ill treatment, inflicted through callousness or brutality. But to say that animals have rights to life and liberty would be farcical. It's false, beloved. 
Yet to deny that men have them, we should feel to be intolerable. What then is there that man has and animals have not to serve as foundations for them? It must be some element different in kind, not a mere difference in degree of development, or it will not bear the weight. The Christian view of man provides such an element. It is hard to see that any other view does. I do not mean that men who reject the Christian view cannot believe passionately in man's rights. They often do, and more um, effort, uh, more effectively than many Christians. For whereas the Christian has sound principles and these others have only sound instincts, the instincts may be alive and operative, while the Christian's principle may lie neglected in his mind and fruitless for action. But the men with sound instincts and no, uh, and no more cannot show the rights of the, the rightness of their beliefs. They could not show the rightness of their beliefs. Beloved, um, I can barely hear it, but I think that is the music for our first break. Um, and so, again, because this is pre recorded, um, you won't be able to call in today. Uh, you can call in on Monday again, but I'm traveling. I'm at the Worcester uh, Women's Conference in Worcester, Massachusetts, so I'm excited about that, and I'm going to be meeting many of you today, and I'm thrilled about that, too. Actually, not today, but tomorrow. I'll be there tomorrow. I'm on a plane today. So you are free to text or email with anything on your heart. Uh, mother at the mother, I'm sorry, at mother at the station of the cross dot com. I'll do it again. Email mother at the station of the cross dot com. We'll be right back. Has a review ever helped you decide if you'll download a particular app or not? Help others decide on our apps. If you appreciate our iCatholic Radio and iCatholic Music mobile apps, please rate and review. From the app menu, just touch Rate Our App. If you don't have our apps yet, they're available for Android and Apple mobile devices. Thank you for considering leaving a rating and review for iCatholic Radio and iCatholic Music. The Liturgy of the Hours is prayed three times a day on the Station of the Cross at 5 a.m., 3 p.m., and 9.30 p.m. Eastern. The Liturgy of the Hours is a meditative and efficacious way to foster habitual prayer. It is the daily prayer of the Church, prayed throughout the world by priests, religious, and laity. For details about each hour and more information about the Liturgy of the Hours, visit thestationofthecross.com. Are you having a hard time keeping up with all that's going on these days in the Vatican? Did you know that LifeSite puts out a monthly print news magazine in beautiful, full color? Our magazine, Faithful Insight, gives you all the most important coverage from Rome and lets you read it away from the computer, phone, or tablet. It summarizes dozens of new happenings down to the essentials, but provides full analysis on all the most important developments. Faithful Insight brings you the coverage of the Vatican that you know and expect from LifeSite in a different form. It has received high praise from cardinals, bishops, priests, and faithful who want to stay abreast of the most crucial battle in our time, the battle for the soul of the Church. Subscribe today at FaithfulInsight.com. 
and may God bless you. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. And as we said earlier, um, this program was pre-recorded because I am on my way to the Worcester uh, women's conference today and we'll be with you all tomorrow or as many of you uh, are going to be there we'll meet tomorrow i'm very happy about that so you won't be able to call in live today but this is a brand new program for you and i'm going to be answering your emails even though you're not able to call in today and so we have an email from selena selena says hello mother miriam thank you so much for what you are doing Your calm and strong female presence brings me great peace and shows me a real example of a kind, good, loving woman in faith. Well, Selena, thank you so much. I don't always feel kind and loving, uh, and I'm sure I'm not always kind and loving, but but, um, I appreciate that. Um, Selena says, I struggle or struggled a lot with femininity, being gentle and meek as I grew up very feminist, with a single mother. Years of prayer and work has changed me significantly, and I know the power of God in his transformation. Blessed be God forever, Selena. Selena says, I am 29 years old with two little girls and a wonderful husband, and I see the blessings of the Lord every day in the miracle of my children. The love of Christ puts in my heart when I think of him and his sacrifice. I could go on for days about the things he does in my life, even though I truly do not deserve it, because I know realistically I'm always letting him down in little ways, but I repent and I try to see his truth. Ditto, Selena, you're describing me as well. She says, my question is hard for me to formulate. I'm not very eloquent or good at expressing my feelings or thoughts, but I thought I should try anyhow. We are currently attending a Baptist church. Ah, my husband and I were both raised French Roman Catholic, and I was confirmed, but my husband was not. We both fell away from the faith, or rather, I felt as if I had never really been in faith until my late 20s. My husband brought me to God after his own realization that it was all real. Well, blessed be God for that. Selena, that's great. She says, we struggle with what feels like emptiness in our church, though we truly love our church family. I sing with the pastor and feel really fulfilled to play and sing for the Lord, and our children do get a good Sunday school program. But there is a sense that we feel like all the churches we have attended are liberal or rather radical with things like women, deacons, feminism, and a blindness to contemporary problems we can work on together in the church. Protestant churches, she says, have made a lot of capitulations to sin. I do not want to talk about the negatives of any church, though, and I respect the good of them all, but I have started to wonder if the Catholic Church is right. 
though I still struggle a lot with it. I just remember my childhood experience being negative, and I do have some reservations because of the things I am hearing about the infiltration of some of these negative feminist things that are touching even the Roman Catholic Church. Um, let me just stop there in your email, Selena, to say that as Paul the Sixth, Pope Paul the Sixth said, um, the smoke of Sa- last century, the smoke of Satan has entered the church because it is the church that Christ founded. It's not a denomination, and so all the attacks, humanism, feminism, homosexualism. Every distortion is going to enter the church because Satan has full guns out. He knows we're coming toward the end times and he's doing everything he can at this moment um, to absolutely destroy the work of God and the people of God. Selena goes on to say, can you offer us any advice going forward? We want to make sure the kids feel the real presence of the Lord at church so they stay strong in the faith. We feel responsible to provide to our family, or rather my husband feels quite strongly that we have nowhere in town that is solid, solid Bible-believing and hasn't strayed, and he has called all the churches, visited and made his concerns known, but there was always a weakness for certain contemporary problems like accepting homosexuality or female pastors. We have not visited Catholic churches, however, but I feel apprehensive. She says, I'm sorry, this is not a good question, but my soul is searching for something that would satisfy my husband and make our family healthy and strong. Please, any advice. I do truly respect your program and who you are, so I thought there was no better person to ask for guidance. Well, dear Selena, you say it's not a good question, but you can't ask a better one. There's no better question this side of heaven, and I think you know, though I came from a Jewish background, I spent 18 years as a fervent evangelical Protestant trying to save Catholics, and it was a five-year agonizing journey for me to come into the Catholic Church because I wanted God above all things. I wasn't drawn to the Catholic Church. I never thought I could ever believe it, but God brought a circumstance in my life so that I knew if I did not look into the claims of the Catholic Church, I'd be turning from God, even though I had no desire. I figured maybe God's wanting me to look into the claims of the Catholic Church to really save Catholics. I don't know. But I knew I had to do it, and of course, I wound up Catholic. And um, I know it's the fulfillment of Judaism and the absolute full measure of Christianity. What I would suggest, dear Selena, is a couple of things. One, that if and when you visit a Catholic church, try to make it a Latin church. Because if you go into the majority of Catholic churches today, which is called the Novus Ordo, Novus is Latin for the New Order of the Mass. It's the New Order, not of the ages, not the Mass that was given the church for 2,000 years, but a new order that was promulgated from Vatican II in the 19, I think 1969. And so you're going to find uh, in many Catholic churches, you'll find some reverent masses, but most likely you're going to find what's even worse than Protestant churches. You're going to find guitar masses and women giving out Holy Communion and women altar servers and all of that. And it's going to be 
really bad for you to try to leave what you, where you're at to something holier. So I would suggest that you look up a Tridentine, a Tridentine. That is the traditional mass that is the fruit of uh, uh, 2,000 years of the church. And um, it's the full Latin mass. You're not going to understand it, but every Bissell is both in English and Latin, and you can go to the pastor. You will not see women in any part of that Mass, not lecturing, not serving, not doing anything. You will see a holy Catholic Roman Mass in its purity, and you can begin to determine, uh, to discern that from that. There's the music for our break, Selena. So we're going to take the break, and I'm going to come back and finish two other thoughts that I have for you. God bless you all. We'll be right back after a very short break. Don't go away. You can email. You can't call in today, but you can email at mother at thestationofthecross.com. Love learning more about the church, but confused or disheartened by the struggles we are facing today? Follow LifeSite News Catholic on Facebook, Twitter, or sign up for LifeSite Catholic emails and stay up to date on the constant stream of news about the Catholic Church. Our church is in a time of crisis, and we as laity have a responsibility and a duty to educate ourselves and stay true to the faith. LifeSite News Catholic is dedicated to keeping the laity informed and educated. To follow us, go to Facebook or Twitter and search LifeSite News Catholic. As Mother Miriam always says, we must live as if it were true. Is there a program you heard at a particular time that you'd like to learn more about, but you don't know the title or how to find it? Our online programming grid offers a complete list of shows. Just visit thestationofthecross.com and click the Programs tab at the top of the page. Here you'll find the link to our programming schedule. That's at thestationofthecross.com. Tune in weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern Time for Sermons for Everyday Living. There's no better way to start your day than by tuning in to hear real sermons from real priests on topics important to you and your faith. For details about upcoming episodes and for podcasts of past shows, visit thestationofthecross.com and click on Sermons for Everyday Living under the Programs tab. That's Sermons for Everyday Living weekdays from 6 to 7 a.m. Eastern on the Station of the Cross. Welcome to Mother Miriam Live on the Station of the Cross Catholic Radio Network with live video streaming brought to you by LifeSite News and the Station of the Cross. You can view the live stream on Facebook at Mother Miriam Live. Welcome back to Mother Miriam Live, beloved. This is the last segment of our program for this Friday. And as I've said before, just to, just in case you just joined us, this is a pre-recorded program for you for today because I am on a plane to Worcester, Massachusetts to join many of you tomorrow at the Worcester um, Women's Conference. Um, and I look very much forward to 
to um, meeting many of you there. And so um, it, feel free to, to email today, uh, but you won't be able to call in because I'm not here live to take your calls. But the email is mother at the station of the cross dot com. Um, uh, OK, now we're on uh, an email, a very beautiful email from a Selena who she and her husband uh, have been going to a Baptist church. Um, and um, let me just see. Um, she and I, she and her husband, rather, were both raised Roman Catholic, French Roman Catholic, but uh, she was confirmed her husband was not, but both kind of fell away from that. And now they're going to a Baptist church, and they're finding... Um, or they're not finding holiness and orthodoxy and all of that in many of the Protestant churches, and they're wondering how to even begin to look into the Catholic Church. So what I suggested just before the break is uh, look in whatever, wherever you live, look for the diocese of that city. Uh, Look for the Catholic diocese of uh, I don't know if if the if you said where you're from. It does not. So wherever you live, whatever city, just type in to your search engine Catholic Diocese of Timbuktu, wherever you live, and then under that you probably see a tab for parishes, and you could look for one near you. But um, many many dioceses have only one church where they have a Latin Mass, the traditional Mass of the Church for 2,000 years. Most of the churches are Novus Ordo, which is the new order of Mass that was begun in 1969. And many of you go to the Novus Ordo, and I'm not going to tell you not to, but for someone who is finding liberalism and modernism and in the Protestant churches, I'm going to try to urge you not to go to most Catholic churches because you will find the same thing there. You'll find female lectors and female altar servers and guitar music and all kinds of things that are really um, uh, irreverent and and a destruction of the Mass. So I don't... um, uh, I don't suggest you do that. I do suggest, no matter even after you drive two hours on a Sunday, that you visit a Latin church, a Latin Mass church. TLM is abbreviation for the Latin Mass. And just look up the Latin Mass in your diocese and go ahead to a Latin Mass and there'll be no women involved whatsoever except perhaps in a Scola choir or, of course, receiving the Holy Eucharist on their knees and on the tongue, which is which is what the Church asks us to do. And so um, I suggest that. Another thing I, I would suggest, dear Selena, if you haven't done it, is get a couple, of, get a few books of Protestants, including Protestant ministers who have become Catholic. And I'm going to give you three that I suggest. Uh, one is by Scott Hahn. He had an awful lot to do with my becoming Catholic, and his wife almost divorced him over it, and then she became Catholic, and together they wrote a book, Rome, Sweet Home. It's the story of their lives and how they became Catholic and why. Rome, Sweet Home. The second book I would recommend is Surprised by Truth. It's edited by Patrick Madrid, Surprised by Truth, 11 Protestant ministers who entered the Catholic Church who found the true church our Lord established. Those two. And the third book I'd recommend 
is a book called Catholicism and Fundamentalism, because what that does, it's by Carl Keating, and it, it, um, who is the founder of Catholic Answers, Catholic.com on the web, and it answers all the Protestant misconceptions uh, about the Catholic Church. And so, and it's very, it's all completely scripturally based. So I would recommend that to you, Selena. And please uh, call in when I'm here or write in uh, at any other time. But if you and your husband maybe could read those books together and, and visit the Latin Mass on a Sunday, um, you won't be able to receive communion because you're not in communion with the Catholic Church, and the Catholic Church wants to protect, protect those who are not Catholic. To receive communion is to be uh, committing a lie if you're not in communion with the Catholic Church, and whoever would be in communion with the Catholic Church would enter the Catholic Church to be in communion. So um, you won't be able to receive communion, but you'll be able to see um, the Church Christ established and all the holiness and reverence in it. We have a text message here uh, from someone who writes in, Hello, Mother Miriam, we are so blessed to have you on the radio. Thank you. One quick question. Do you have any book recommendations for stories of the saints for children between the ages of two and five? I actually have some on my bookshelf, but I'm not in reach of my bookshelf at the moment on air. And so I'm going to do better than give you a couple of books. I'm going to give you a couple of uh, three fantastic resources for children's books between the ages of two and five. The first resource is the Augustine Academy Press. St. Augustine, Augustine, St. Augustine Academy Press. Um, number one. Secondly, thejoyfulcatholic.com, which is otherwise known. There's three companies that merge. One of them is Refuge for Sinners. Another is The Mother of Our Savior and JoyfulCatholic.com. They're all one company now, and you can safely look on their website for children's books and buy anything they offer. The third thing you might explore is a very good holy traditional homeschooling pro- program that will have materials even for kindergartens. And so I would uh, refer you to Our Lady of Victory, a homeschool program. There are many, and you can go to them, uh, Seton Hall Homeschooling, many others, very wonderful. But um, I've been in the middle of this survey that my dear friend Beth has been helping me with, gather information, and Our Lady of Victory Homeschool um, Apostolate, you could look it up online, is coming up pretty much on top um, as the school that has uh, the whole package put together for new homeschoolers. So it, it, I, I won't throw out Seton because I've seen their books and they're terrific. So look for a good homeschooling program and they'll give you suggestions as well. Okay, we have an email from Georgia. She says, I have a question. Is there any qualifications to do confession? As an example, do you have to be baptized to do confession? Thanks and God bless Well, you need to ask a priest if he can hear your confession uh, canonically. I can't answer that canonically, but the fact is, if you have not been baptized, then you are not a child of God, spiritually. And um, 
if you're if you're going to confession to confess to God your sins to want to be forgiven the first thing you want to do is to become a child of God through baptism and so uh, I would do that Georgia I would speak to a priest and say you really want to go to confession and you've not been baptized and let him guide you through that he might be able to hear your confession but the fact is sweetheart if you've not been baptized then the moment you're baptized you are forgiven of every single sin as as you were just born that day and you are free like the thief on the cross to enter paradise you don't have to go to confession if you've not been baptized before you're baptized and you're free as a newborn baby without sin so i would go to a priest and let him help you georgia okay if you feel the need for confession it's a very wonderful thing and it shows the grace of god working on your heart and if he's working on your heart then he wants you to come into his family and be his child. He created you. You belong to the family of mankind, but you don't belong to the spiritual family of God outside of baptism. And baptism is necessary for your salvation. So I would go to a very good holy priest and ask him to help you. I don't know quite how much time we have left, but I'm going to go to an email by Anne Uh, It's a bit lengthy. I'm not sure if we'll get through it, but we'll give it a start. Anne says, Hi, Mother. Uh, We are Catholics originally from India, now U.S. citizens. We live in California. I have a seven-year-old daughter who loves to dance. She has Catholic friends who learn Indian classical dance, which has its root in Hinduism from a Hindu teacher. She wants to join her friends, too, to learn this dance form. I'm not sure if I should let her learn this dance form as the songs which they dance to are mostly in praise of hit to Hindu gods or alluding to Hindu myth, mythological stories. Now, the answer is absolutely not. If your daughter is seven and she knows her faith, which she should at seven, um, she should be able to be confirmed at seven. If she knows her faith, simply go through what Hinduism is with her and go through the words of those songs and tell her she is through this dance worshiping a Hindu god. And see, sweetheart, do you want to do that? Well, no, I just want to do the dances, but through the dances, that's a form of worship to pagan gods, sweetheart. Let's look at other dance forms, cultural folklore dances that are going to be safer that you could praise God. Let me go on with this email. Georgia says, some of my Catholic friends say it's okay for her to learn the dance as we can just ignore the meaning of the songs. No, sir. No, ma'am. No, absolutely. Forget that. That's why Catholics go astray and enter into paganism and the, give the devils a crack into their lives. You don't ignore the meaning of the songs and the different postures that they adopt during the dance depicting the Hindu gods. You can't ignore that. You're honoring them and learn, learn it to improve eye, hand, feet coordination. No, there's a lot to come. There's jazz dancing. There's ballet. You want to talk about eye, hand, feet coordination, learn ballet. No, this is absolutely false. And she says, Mother, what is your opinion? Also, I would like to point it out that Catholics started letting their kids learn these dance forms only very recently, maybe after the Second Vatican Council. Well, a lot 
a lot of destruction happened after the Second Vatican Council, Georgia. Do not let your daughter do that. And you explain to your daughter that you are praising Hindu gods by your words, by your body movements. And when you do that, you're inviting pagan idols into your body. No, I'm not, Mom. It's just a dance. Oh, yes, you are. And you need to learn about that and educate your daughter and find out what is honoring to God that will give her body the same sort of, not pagan meditation, but stretching and all of that. She has Christ. If she's a child of God, she needs no other form of meditation but prayer to our Lord. No other form. So, Georgia... At any cost, keep this from your child, no matter what other Catholic parents say. um, uh, You have the stewardship from God to raise your daughter. And if you give in at all because your daughter wants to be uh, one with her friends, you are not favoring your daughter. You are giving in to the destruction of your daughter to make her happy. And at the end, it's going to destroy her and make her miserable. And when she's older, if she comes back to Christianity, she's going to say, Mom, why did you allow me to do that? And you're, and the mom's going to say, well, well, you pleaded with me, honey. You wouldn't give in. But, Mom, you're my parent. You're my parent. You're the one that has to control me, not let me as the child control you. So um, don't do it. No matter what, don't do it. Um, keep every form of paganism atrocity, Hinduism, Buddhism, any ism, pagan ceremonies, to pagan gods, keep them out of your house, out of your school, out of your practice. And if you have Hindu friends that gather for certain things and you join them in other things, you don't gather them for those practices. You don't participate with them. You don't even want to be in the same house. You do not. Um... Uh, You need to protect yourself in this world where the devil is going to um, have take every opportunity to lead you astray. I'm not sure. I faintly hear music in the background. I'm going to assume it's the ending music. So I'm going to begin to say goodbye to you. God bless you. I look forward to seeing many of you at uh, the conference tomorrow and uh, be with everybody else live on Monday. God bless you.